my God. Press this, record. Every day we start like this. No, not every day we start like this. It's just, it's like I, I send him a message in the morning, JR, and I get like a, like, like a one word answer. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Guy's ego, guy's ego is through the roof. He set the hockey world on fire the other day with his comments about Jack, and now here he is. You know, his shit doesn't stink. How's it going? Is that to me or is that to JR? That's to you. The how's, how's it going? It's going how's well. It, the how's it going is to JR. The rest was directed at you. So so what you're saying is Ribs has actually now become a true uh, television personality because that's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what Listen, you do. I just uh, – I act like he's got the most stressful life in the world. No. <laughs> I've never that's seen That's not anything. true at all. JR. I've never seen a guy who's so busy with one kid, right? Everything. Oh my God, I can't do this. I got to go here. Got to do that. I have four magnify, magnify that by four. Kind of got you, Petey. Exactly. Silence. Well, the guy doesn't, what do you mean? He doesn't even know his kids' names. Okay. <laughs> like, let, let's be, let's be honest. He's Riv sits there and he's like, he's like, I have four. I don't even know where they are. I haven't cooked hey, my kid. youngest hey, one kid. breakfast. Hey. Hey kid, come over here. Come on. Yeah. Come yeah. Hey kid. Hey, hey you. Where are what you are you doing in my fridge? Oh, I I've seen you around here before. I'm not kidding you. I, I'm this uh, you know, the fourth or, or the first one, you know the way it is, JR. First one, you coddle that little thing. It's not oh, yeah. five feet from you until they're, you know, fifteen yep. years old. The yep. fourth, I can't remember the last time I've made her made her a meal. And yesterday it was incredible. Like I come downstairs, she's in the kitchen, she's shaving potatoes, chopping them up, putting them on a, a cookie sheet with like a baking sheet, and she's got oil on it, the whole thing, and she's got the oven on. She's making French fries. <laughs> They're pretty domesticated these days, and they can I'm be good. You. I, I you know the only you know the only thing I said to her? Good for you. Do you have salt on there? <laughs> I asked her. I said, "Do you have enough? Do you have enough salt on those fries?" She's like, "Dad, there's, there's." And I grabbed the salt shaker. She's like, "Dad, I put enough salt on there." I said, "Okay, I trust you." I walked away. You know, forty-five and minutes they, later, I'm eating French fries, and they came out great. Yeah, so so about a week ago, I Facetime Riv, and he's sitting in his living room, and you can see over his shoulder into the kitchen. And there's this this little person walking around the kitchen, like rattling, you know, pots and pans and working around the stove. And he turns around and he's like, you know what she's doing? This is his youngest. She's nine. I'm like, what? She's making grilled cheese. <laughs> and so Rip goes like this. He goes, what are you doing? And she's like, making grilled cheese. And he goes, make me one. <laughs> Yeah, because you know why she's doing it? Because she had to, because when she asked Rip to make her one, she's like, I don't know how to make one. I don't know. I don't know how to turn this stove on. I mean, come on. <laughs> anyway, I was just uh, uh how's it going, Jay? All right, but you know what? I'm gonna uh, tell you great. something, man. Since great. last Thursday, I've really been looking forward to your uh segment this week. Well, let's see, let's hope I don't disappoint. We'll see what um see what you bring at me, but uh, I will say, um Riv, my our boy Jumbo Joe, who got an awesome ovation last night at uh, at San Jose, um, was was awesome. We had dinner last week with him, and we talked some old Riv stories. So I got to see uh, one of our old boys, and I sent you the picture. So 
he uh, he sends his best. You hung out with uh, you hung out with Jumbo Joe Thornton last week. Yeah, went to dinner. We went to dinner in, in Florida. It was great. It was awesome. Oh no, kidding. Yep. 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 He hasn't was, changed uh, one bit, too. Nope. No. Hasn't one changed one bit. bit. How, how old's nope. How old's Jumbo now? He's got to be 42. 40, 40, 42. 42. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's just he's a big kid. He he loves. Ooh being in this environment uh more than anything and uh you know we've uh, we've all enjoyed uh you know you and i jr we enjoyed yeah. the opportunity to play with with a guy like this yeah. and yeah. we're talking guy that was winning scoring titles and a guy that was one of the biggest and brightest stars in the game probably arguably one of the best play one of the best playmakers in the history of the game top four yeah yeah and you know the the amazing thing is um for me which which what sticks with me and i was older than joe i just can't believe how he treated others i can't believe how he treated the the people you know the uh, arena attendants or the zamboni driver or people standing the guards uh, the security guards standing outside our room he treated people and made them feel like a million dollars. Yeah, he did. Um, he did. He does. He does everything. But you know what was funny, Riv? I said, so is this the last year, Jumbo? I just got to be it, right? You're 42. You're, you know, you're sore. He goes, I don't know, but I don't know, guy. You know, it, it's for the boys. You know, it's for the boys. I got to do it to be with the boys. And that's just how he is. He loves being in the locker room. Loves being on the team. You know, that's his, that's that's what he loves. But I hope he I hope he plays another year, but we'll see. If he wins the cup this year with Florida, which he thinks is a really good good opportunity, good chance. Yeah, I could see him shutting her down. I think he shuts it down if they win this year. I, I, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. Yeah, hundred percent. I think hundred percent. There's not a player that is currently playing or that I've watched for years that I can say that I'm rooting for to see win. I don't think there's a player in the NHL right now that hasn't won a cup that deserves to win right now more than Joe Thornton. Oh, no, not more. No way. Yeah, definitely. Definitely not. Um, it's kind of like on the same regards as a, a Ray Bork back in the day that played for Boston was a, mm-hmm. was a superstar yep. defenseman for so many years and ended up getting traded right at the end of his career when he was what, 40, 40 years old yep. and went to Colorado and ended up winning Stanley cup. And, uh, you know, yep. I, I, I really do. Joe, Joe bleeds hockey. I mean, yep. I, I, Jr. I can still it's remember when we were, yep. when we were in San Jose and, um, you know, we would be going on those ungodly road trips. I don't even know mm-hmm. if you remember those like 21 oh, day road trips. I'm like asking our rookies on the team, how do I even pack for a 21 day road trip? And they're looking at me like, well, ribs, you, you, you have to do dry cleaning. I'm like, what? I've never heard of that because I was in Montreal oh, yeah. and we were only, we were gone for maybe five days max throughout my 12 years there. Then I get to San Jose and you had multiple, you know, 14 day trips. We had one 21 day trip and they, that takes a lot out of you. I, I, mm. you know, as uh, with the travel and the time changes and everything. Did you just else. say a 20 day trip? 21 day road trip 21 day 21 straight? days straight like no straight. trip home no no nope. trip home no 
That's a nice per diem envelope. Pack. That's a nice per diem envelope. Holy smokes, that's a nice per diem yeah, envelope. It was uh listen, probably gone in the first day gambling with JR in the back of the plane. So um, <laughs> that is that is for sure. But that is for sure. JR or, or or Jumbo would come back from these trips, whether it was a week long, two week long, we had multiple of those, and they would give you a day off. And Jumbo would skate. Mm-hmm. And or it's go to just, the rink, or go to the rink and just yeah. hang out with the, with the boys and the trainers. One yeah. or two, but he would go to the rink for sure. He he yeah. was he was there all the time. It was it's his life. You have to understand. Mm-hmm. He loved it more than anything. You know, to be in the training room. I spent time with just Jumbo in the training room. It was like mm-hmm. it was like where all of the guys hovered around and talked about just life in general and anything that was popping up. He was so charismatic and yeah he's he's the bomb man let's hope he wins a cup this year i'm gonna keep my fingers crossed for him but you know who's not gonna you know who's not gonna win a cup this year the toronto maple leafs we just talk about how disgusting of a team this is and maybe disgusting is the wrong word but disappointing is a better word did you guys watch the heritage game the other day oh yeah yes i did like I got to give Buffalo a lot of credit, man. They worked their asses off. They 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 took they took Toronto out easily in a game where Toronto playing in front of their home, pretty much their home crowd in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Yep, they've been losing. Here's a perfect opportunity to take a great game, get excited, be the team that we should beat, and and get off this losing snide. This team this team has given up four more goals. In ten of the last twelve games, how, how do you win hockey games when you give up four goals yeah. every single game? And it just—it was unbelievable. It's like there's—I mean, and Austin Matthews. I'm—I'm I'm kind of taking out of the equation here. This kid works his ass off every every shift, but as a team, their defense and their goaltending—it might be one of the worst in the league right now. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, that's, is that, is that a product JR of having, you know, three players on your team making more than $11 million? Maybe, but maybe, but look what Boston had back. Boston had Marshawn, they had Chara and they had Patrice Bergeron. They were all making big money, but no, they weren't. They said, they they said, Brad Marchand was making $6.3 million. Pasternak's making 6.7. Bergeron was making 6.9. And and Zidane and Charles. Yeah, they're your top top guys, guys. but they're making half of what these guys in Toronto are making. Yeah, salary cap was also lower too. You're saying um, that their their bottom half is just just so decrepit because the uh, top guys take so much money is what you're saying, which I agree with. Well, I just right. don't think that they, you know, right now, you know, Morgan, Morgan Riley is a really good hockey player. He's 28 years old. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's making this year, he's making 5 million, but next year he has a long-term deal at seven and a half million. I think it's a good deal. I think Morgan Riley is a hell of a hockey player. I think yeah, TJ Brody, the, they, they had a, an, I think they signed him maybe as an unrestricted free agent. I'm not really quite sure. But he's a nice defense in him, himself. But I need I, I really think that below that, you know, the Justin Hall, the Tra- Travis uh, Dermott, uh, Rasmus Sanheim, 
Timony Lillogren. These these that, are that really, little grin, that little really grin, young that guys. little grin that little grin would struggle in the East Coast League. Well, he was their former first overall pick, uh, probably wow, about three bad? or four years ago. Um, and and he's twenty two years old, and he just uh, you know wow, this team is not going to be able to compete because I don't think that they have the defense at all. So, so let's let's take it a step further. Then I mean, I'm I'm anticipating now. Listen, I will say this. There are two, well, now three teams. You guys reminded me of Joe Thornton in Florida, but there are three teams, unfortunately, all in the East that I'm rooting for to win win the Cup or at least have a great run. One is the New York Rangers because I love Chris Drury. One is Florida because Mac Weger is Craig's cousin, and you know you always want to root for family and stuff like that, but you just mentioned Joe Thornton, which I think is another great point there. But Toronto's another one because I I just, you know, I, I, I like to see what the fan base does if that team ever – you know, got their shit together and won. I am anticipating a first round knockout. What happens after that? Is that a Kyle Dubas removal? Is that a Sheldon Keefe removal? I mean, you know, I've, I, I mean, where, where do you go and how do you improve this team or do they just start trading away players, which would start with William Nylander? Cause you're not going to trade Tavares. You're not going to trade uh, Austin Matthews. Although I don't think that would be a terrible move. And uh, you're, you know, you don't want to trade Mitch Marner. He's a hometown boy. So where does that? First of all, first of all, first of all, I don't think you can. Get, I don't think you could trade um, Tavares very easily because of the, his age and how much money he makes. That's going to be a tougher trade. Um, I think people would take a chance on Mitch Marner. Now, is Mitch Marner a guy that you you you, you you're saying you can't let him go? Me, I'm I mean personally, he's get, from Toronto. Get, I, probably, I don't you know. Get the most, most, you probably get the most warm out of any of those guys that you just mentioned. Yeah, you're not going to get a full haul for Matthews, and you're not trading Matthews anyway. It'll be, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, there's another team that's uh, starting to stumble, JR. Uh, well, I guess I shouldn't say they're starting to stumble, but they're stumbling uh, almost out of a playoff spot, and we'll get into that in a minute because the Vegas Golden Knights are, you know, with the new Jack Eichel and the trade and everything, they're, you know, one or two more losses away, and and Dallas winning a game or two to being out of the wild card uh, spots. So I want to talk to you about Jack Eichel's return, but first I was just reading an article about uh, from 1997. Uh, I believe it was 97 and it, it is, it was titled once a star with the Blackhawks, Ronick is back in town. That came out January 1st, 1997. You brought up Joe Thornton's reception and return to San Jose, obviously a love player. What was your reception like when you returned back to Chicago for the first time before we get into Jack Eichels? Um, well, it would, by the way, it was extremely nerve-wracking, but um, I, I would say mine was probably 65-35 in terms of um, people cheering me rather than booing me. Uh, I think a lot of people thought, you know, looked at it as my fault while I, why I got traded, right? Whether it was my mouth or um, whether they thought I asked for a trade or whatever. But, um, you know, there's some, some Chicago fans, doesn't matter where, who you are, if you're not there anymore, that you're going to, you're going to get booed. But so when I came back, I heard a lot of, I heard a lot of boos because I think that's what, what resonates in your head first. Um, the cheers, not so much, but you hear the boos over the cheers. So for me, um, I heard it and, you know, I, I, I can't say that I was disappointed. Um, 
you know, I don't think it bothered me too much, but um, it was definitely a, a nerve wracking experience. There's no question. What did your body feel like? I mean, and I mean that from the standpoint of there are nights where I was so nervous for whatever reason, where I just, I couldn't even feel my legs underneath me. I, I couldn't, you know what I mean? Like, how, how did you feel? Because I want to, you were, you were a bigger star in Chicago than Jack Eichel has been in Buffalo and in the league. But when it comes to hype and everything, Jack Eichel's right up there. So I'm trying to just replay, like, you know, through your uh, emotions and your stature in the league at the time, what Jack might have been going through heading into that game against Buffalo because he said all the right things. And well, you know, it's, 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 it, he, I thought he said all the right things. Um, I can I can tell in his in his his responses and his body language that he was kind of disappointed that you know that he got a little bit of a of a tough pause. Um, I don't think he thinks he did anything wrong while he was in Buffalo and just tried to do his best. So I'm I'm sure he's thinking you know you know kind of a little let down. Um, my my situation was was different. I I just got into a verbal confrontation with and disagreement with the owner um and i think people people will blame me for for creating that so when i came back it was almost like it was almost like a you're in a fog right you're excited to see everybody you walk into the building it's all all the normal people that you would see on a home game right people that you've had relationships with and it's you know it's it's exhausting it's draining i mean it, you know, saying hi, saying I miss you, saying what's going on, hearing it come back from you. You know, the town's never been the same since you left. So it's it, it plays on your mind, it plays on your on your emotions and energy. And by the time you get on the ice, you're phys- you're mentally, physically drained because it's like the anticipation of getting in front of your old fans when you jump on the ice. You see every single emotion and every single person's face, right? Some are, some are like, yeah, and some are like, you know, fuck you. Or it's, it's, it's overwhelming the first time that you go back. And obviously, you want everybody to like you, right? And having certain, certain groups not accept you back, it's disappointing. But, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't change the way you play. But why why do you need that, JR? You know, why, why is there a feeling deep down inside in your gut that you, that you need everybody to want to like you? Um, because I don't need everybody. I don't need everybody to like me, but I would like everybody to, because I'm, I'm a people person. You, you know me, Riv, yep. you know, everything when, when I still get calls from players around the league asking me to set, set them up with a restaurant or, or, you know, give them a, give them a, get them a hotel room in Vegas or something like that. Like I was a fixer, right? I was the, I was the setup guy. You know, people would call me and say, what, you know, can you help me do this? Can you help me get in here? Can you? Cause I love, I, I love people. I love entertaining people. Um, you know, why do you get mad or why do you feel bad that not everybody likes you? Cause you play in a city like Chicago or like where you were in Montreal, we go out there, we play for our team. We play for our city. And we entertain people, right? And you yep. bust your ass. We break our bones. We we bleed. We get concussions. We play to try to entertain them. Of course, if 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 you don't have that entertainment factor, or you don't have that effect on somebody, then maybe you didn't you didn't do the proper things to bring that person in. 
And whether that's a letdown or not, you're never going to please everybody. That doesn't mean that you can't want to please everybody. It's two different things. And I always wanted people to be happy. I always wanted people to be satisfied when they left, that they got a good game, that they knew that I gave my ass for the game and for the team, that I wasn't a loafer. And, uh, you know, I think if you're a proud person, you, you want that from people, don't you? How did that return go? Do you recall the result? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember our first game back, my first game back. I think, I think Chicago might've beat us the first game back in, in when I was playing for Phoenix, it, was, it would have been in 97. Did you take, did you do a post game interview? I can't remember, but I'm sure I did something, but got to remember my, my relationship in Chicago when I had left was, had taken a big hit. So it was it was kind of like enemy, okay. Well, same same with same with Eichel. So I guess my question is this: Would you have, under any circumstances, taken an, an enormous shit on the fan base after that game? No, Mm-mm. I would not have. I would I would have just I, I would have said it's disappointing that not everybody you know was you know like seeing me back. I mean, it's disappointing, but you know, so be it. That's sports. That's sports. I don't play for Chicago anymore. I can't expect everybody to like me, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have taken a shot at the fans because I knew the fans were so good to me in Chicago. Like they were so good. I would never take a shot at them. So in such, a, in such a big return coming back to Chicago also, you know, one of the biggest names in, in the game coming back to, uh, you know, to a place where it all started, JR, did you mm-hmm. have back then? Now this is like 25 years ago, but did you have, you know, people helping you, guiding you, making sure that the emotions were at check and that you said the right things? Not then, no. No, I mean, that was that was the middle 90s. That's when I was, you know, still right in my prime and I was a big mouth and I, and I talked and I talked a big show and I played a big show. Um, but people were like almost afraid to tell me not to do something or the only guy that would do, would really say something to me is Chris Chelios. Shelly is the only guy that would say, Hey, listen, just fucking settle down here. Okay. Let's, let's not, let's not get in the papers and let's just, let's, let's be professional and, or, or JR shut the fuck up. Like you're out of line. Shelly was really the only guy who really did that. And uh, as a teammate and uh, I loved him for it, but, Besides that, you know, when Steve Larmer and, and Michelle Goulet left in 90, 92, 93, you know, lost a big, big, you know, the, those, those veteran guys that would, that would keep an eye on you, you know, and then I was the veteran guy and nobody was going to say anything. So I was just like freelance in my mouth. Like, good luck with that, JR. Asshole. <laughs> I don't need to. I don't need to get uh, even ask this question. I assume you saw Jack Eichel's comments after the game the other night. So take me through your initial emotion or thought. I don't know if there was an emotion involved, but a thought after you heard what he said and how he said it. Uh, I listen. I I don't. I don't have any any problems with what he said. Tell you the truth. I really don't think that people should should blame Jack Eichel for not being there anymore. He had an argument with the team about his own health. I think he's, you know, he he gave what he could there. He didn't have much help around him in Buffalo to help, you know, get the team to the next level. 
he literally carried the team on his shoulders for one one season. Like literally, almost got him to the playoffs by himself. Um, I have no problem with him being a little disappointed that the fans booed him when they came back. You know, I don't know how you guys feel about him, but I, I think he got it. I think he got a. I think he got a raw deal in Buffalo because he just didn't have support around him and he didn't have the chance to to develop like a McDavid or an Austin Matthews, so to speak. It doesn't take a whole lot, though, Jr. You know, you got a fan base that's basically, basically Humpty Dumpty, and they're just sitting on the fence right now, and they're looking to see what side they're going to fall on. You know, Jack Eichel could have walked into that interview after the game. He could have tore apart the ownership. He could tore apart the GMs, the coaches. You know that were trying to help but did not do a very good job in building this. He can talk about how he wanted to get a certain type of surgery and the team's telling him something different. I'm going to tell you this. It should be Jack Eichel's choice in what he does with his own body because it's not just about the game of hockey for the next five to ten years for Jack. It's about his life after. The problem is Jack does not know how to channel his emotions. And he and and Mike Harrington said it best the other day. It was only like a 15 second clip, a 20 second clip. That's it. The rest was Jack, you know, praising the city of Buffalo. But then he does something with out of emotion. It it's out of emotion again that he has we've we've watched time in and time out that he cannot channel his emotions properly and he goes and rips the fan base. Yeah. Not kind of, kind not a good move. Not a good yeah. move. Like my my what I said the other day, I don't just sit there and look at Jack Eichel and you know what he said. Mine is a mine is something that is built up over years. Stuff that I know. I'm in a city in here in Buffalo. Okay. It's a beautiful city. It's a passionate, passionate hockey city, football city, sports town. And it's very small. It's very, very, very small, JR. I have I have friends um in all different areas of this town. I have people that have a tremendous amount of money. And I have people that don't have a pot to piss in. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I have many different types that do not run in the same circles. And I hear a lot of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I'm as much as I'm retired, JR, and you're retired, you still have relationships. Mm-hmm. I still have people and friends that are in this organization tell me a lot of stuff. Not that I'm asking because I really don't care. I'm away from it. I've been retired for 10 years. I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But people want to continue to tell you. There's a lot of stuff that I, that's happened over the years. And maybe it's from the maturity side of things with Jack. Um, and just him not being able to understand of the position that he's in. Yeah, one thing, and I totally agree with you. And channeling those emotions are are not easy to do, especially when you're younger and you're and you're put in a position like Jack was for the first time. 
coming back home, um, you know, to his, the team that he used to play for. But I, I would rather have somebody that is feisty, that is combative, that is edgy, that has that kind of that ego sort of side to him that will, that will, I think will bring him to say, I'll show you on the ice rather than somebody who, who is, is going to hide behind a, you know, behind a curtain is not going to say anything. He's going to crawl into the table. He's going to feel sad and feel depressed because they didn't like him and crawls into a ball. So I don't know. Does Jack, does Jack sit on that side where he has that edge and that edge that he does, does keep, whether it's verbally, whether it's on interviews or whatever, is that part that makes him the competitive, really great player that he is possible. I had someone say to me the other day, they're like, uh, he's 25. Is he 25, Riff? I think he's 24. 24. He might have turned 25. but yeah. And it made me think, actually, you know, because, like, we, JR, we absolutely shredded. I mean, I say no, he, we. He is 25, Petey. Okay, he's turning so, 26 in uh, October. Yeah, so we absolutely shredded him. I, I mean, I say we. Because you know we 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 sink and swim as a team around here, but uh, Craig went really hard. You know, I had some comments about him, but I mean, someone someone said to me, they said, you know, he's he's twenty five, and put yourself back to when you were twenty five, and ask yourself how you would have felt about all that. And I, you know, and I, I just, I don't, I didn't know how to answer the question because. Well, I was, I was 26 when I got, when I left Chicago. So I was in kind of the same age group and same, you know, kind of the same realm of, of timing in my prime, just coming off another 50 goal season, 40 goal season, you know, my shit didn't stink. So I was combative, but I don't know. It's, I, I think what Rib says is, is exactly right. If, 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 if say the right things or channel it the right way, right? That's one thing that I've kind of learned a little bit over my, over my 20 years in the league and then 10 years in, in, uh, in broadcasting. Um, you know, the words that you use are, it's important to think about, right? Um, unfortunately, I don't do it as often. Think about the words instead of just throwing them out of my mouth. But I think some people can get the wrong idea when it's just thrown out there like that. And when you're a little reckless in your assessment or your, or your comments. And I think he got a little reckless and I think Rib is, is dead on. Now, do you like, do you like that, that battle? That's what I'm asking. Should he, should he wreck the fans? No, I don't think he should wreck the fans whatsoever because you know, they're, 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 they're one of the most loyal fan bases in all of sports, right? So, yep. and really, he really, and, and to tell you the truth, Jack really didn't do much for the team to get them to where they wanted him to go. So I can see a lot of people being like, no, you're expendable. See you later. I'm sure. There's a lot of people like that. Right. I, th I think where, where a lot of people uh, get pissed off of them, and this is going to be the end of it for us talking about it, but uh, you know, you know, we wanted to get your take on it. Um, but I think a lot of people, you know, right after he was traded, Elliot Friedman did a sit down with him and Jack admitted that the year prior he had asked for a trade out of Buffalo. So even before the neck issues came up, he had asked for a trade. And I think that's what the fan base gets angry at. You know, when a, 
a star player that they put so much, you know, emotional yeah. uh, investment, attachment, financial investment in jerseys and tickets and all this stuff and going to watch him play. Because let's be honest, there was a time where Jack was, you know, he had Sam and other things, but Jack was, you know, a star, you know, people were, were paying money to go and watch him play. They're paying money to get his jerseys and stuff like that. And I think that's kind of the, the, bad taste that was left in the mouth. I think a lot of people can understand the neck thing, but I think a lot of it has to do with just asking for, for a trade out of here and, and yeah, yeah. Almost feeling like, uh, like he bailed on the organization um, instead of sticking around and, and trying to help right the ship. I, I don't know. I mean, certainly looked good when uh, Tuck and Krebs scored in that game. You know what I mean? Like it kind of, Trying to soften the blow a little bit. Can one player, can one deal like this completely derail a team? I mean, Vegas is four nine and one since Jack came on, and you know, I don't want to, I don't want to pin the blame. I'm just, I'm just trying to see the effect that maybe he's had on the team. Uh, obviously, not a hundred percent healthy yet. Takes a little time to come back after not playing for a year, but. But can one player have such a negative effect, or is this just an organizational thing right now? In Vegas, I, I think it's. I think it's been a long year because that team has played well through, through most of the year. But I think it's it's almost, it's almost natural when you have a, a a stud like Eichel come onto your team, and psychologically, as a team, you're like, "Oh, we're going to be unbeatable," you know, and kind of take things for granted and not prepare the way that you're supposed to, and and say, "Oh, well, you know, we got the guns, we're going to win." But if you don't take care of all the little intangibles, especially defensively, like like Vegas hasn't done. It, it doesn't matter who's on your team. You know, what's that saying? You know, it's hard work will beat talent seven days a week when talent doesn't want to work. Well, when you, a, a player of that magnitude can literally, you can let your guard down as a team because you got, you know, you got Stone, Pacioretty, now you got Eichel, you got Marcia So, you got, you know, it's just, Carlson, we got a, we had a boatload. We got, you know, um, Riley Smith. I mean, it's easy. And I think they have to, they have to go back to the basics with the, with, with the superstar team. And that's the only way they're going to get win hockey games going back to the basics. I just find it interesting how they, they've struggled so much. I really do. Like this, this team <laughs> has a lot of, a uh, lot of skill. I know they have Mark Stone out. Okay. The captain of their team is a big, big part of that team. But they also inserted Jack Eichel, who is considered, you know, a world-class talent. And mm-hmm. um, I just don't know. It, it, it's kind of like a little bit mind-boggling. These guys were one what, of the top what have been the scores? What, are, what You have the computers in front of you. What, 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 is, what is their last five games? Oh, what, I'll tell you right goals, now. How, how many goals have they given up? Last night, uh, they lost 7-3. Um, Seven goals. Yeah, and then um, here we go here. 7-3 last three. night. They lost 6-4 to Columbus. One was an empty netter. They lost 5-2 to Pitt, 3-1 to Buffalo. They lost 2-1 to Philly. Um, their other losses, then they, they, you know, going backward here, they beat Ottawa 2-1. They beat Anaheim 5-4. They lost to Boston 5-2. Um, you know, they're let, they're letting in some goals. They're not letting in a lot of goals. They're letting in a lot of goals. I mean, just in the first five games, I counted 24 goals in five games. You can add that quickly. Good for you. 
You can't, um, you can't win hockey games giving up more than three goals and more than four goals a game. You're just not going to do it. You're going to come out on the short end of the stick. It's great if right? we're betting the overs, though, AJR. <laughs> I had a good night last night. I had a good night last night. I took unders, though. I took unders. You unders took came in. You took unders. Yeah, I took unders in the Boston in Boston Chicago game, and I took the under in the Colorado. Um, is it L.A.? Was it L.A. Colorado? Uh, yeah, yeah, L.A. Colorado, yeah, I, I three nothing. Yeah, I took the unders in both those games. So that was a good one. You know, it, yeah. it's interesting too when you're just looking at the Vegas team and 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 they they are a very strong team. For for years they've had their first line with uh Chandler Stevenson who has really turned into an incredible hockey player. Um you had um playing with uh, Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. Then your second line you had uh William Nylander or uh William uh, Carlson. 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 This guy is shit yeah. in the bed. He's I mean, seven year. goals and 21 points in 47 games. This that's a 40 not a goal good scorer. season for him. This is a 40-goal scorer that's now scoring seven. Did he score 40 or 30 that year? I think he scored, I'm pretty he sure he scored, scored 43 40. that year. Yeah, 43. Now he's scoring seven. That's a drop-off, man. There's something he's, wrong. He's back, to the, he's back to Columbus Carlson. He's back to being a perimeter Carlson, a perimeter player. Yeah, perimeter. You know, player. when you have yeah. a when you have your second line center struggling that bad, um, you're in trouble. You're in trouble, and and you know you you look to you know Jack Eichel's scored five goals in fourteen games. He has nine points. You know, and and Jack Eichel hasn't played for what a year and a half. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time yeah. since he's played. It's going to take him time to. It's going to take him a month and a half before he gets back to for playing sure. shape. The problem is, they might be out by then. Mm-hmm. When you look at the standings for the Vegas Golden Knights, it is not a good situation at all. You have the Edmonton Oilers that have just pulled in to uh, third in the Pacific. So that's knocked out um, Vegas. Vegas right now is in a wild card spot. Okay. They're in the second wild card spot because the first is Minnesota at 72 points. And Vegas has 68 points. The problem is a team below them in Dallas Stars has 67 points, but they have four games in hand. Trouble. There's a possible eight points that you can get there. Vancouver Canucks, 67 points, one point behind the last wild card spot. And Winnipeg Jets, who just beat them seven to three, are two points out. I mean, Vegas is in really dire, dire straits right now in the way that they're, they're playing. You know as well as I do, JR, that the last 20 games of the season, it, it's almost like a horse race. Yeah. It's yeah. the team that pulls together, right? Mm-hmm. The other thing is Vegas doesn't have any money. They are up to the cap. I don't understand yeah. what they're going to do. They've lost five games in a row. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, again, they got to go back to the basics, man. They just, they have, they have forgotten about the defensive aspect of the game. They're trying to win, you know, horse races, right? They're getting in a horse race in a hockey game and it's just up and down, up and down, up and around track meet. You know, sometimes you just have to bring it down, play defense and 
you know, just win two to one, win three, two, win, win defensively. And that will, that will kickstart your team confidence. But I'll tell you, Robin Leonard has not been good whatsoever. He's, he's led in a lot of bad goals and that, that plays mind games on teams too, in front of you. You know, what goaltender are we going to have tonight? We're going to have a goaltender that's going to stop the puck. Well, Robin Leonard's been injured for, for a little bit. Well, their, their goaltending, their, their goaltending has been terrible. Yeah, even before he got injured too. Hey, um, let's talk about another team that you were praising last week. I think you bet on them too. How about the Arizona Coyotes right now? Wow. Are we watching? They beat Montreal 6-3. Say what you want about Montreal. They beat Ottawa 5-3. They lost to Boston. That's fine. They beat Toronto 5-4. They beat Detroit 9-2. They beat Ottawa 8-5. They beat Colorado 2-1. They beat Vegas a couple of games before that, three to one. I mean, they are they're they're a team that's on the move here. It goes to again. It goes to show you that a team that wants it more, that's going to do the little things better, that's going to play defense better, and that's going to you know play a full style of game and work your ass off, you can win hockey games. Because do you, th- you mean to tell me that they have more talent than the Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, speaking of more talent than Toronto Maple Leafs, so there was a guy that was waived by the Leafs and then traded to Arizona. Anyone want to guess his name? Richie. Richie. Nick Richie. Anybody? Craig and I were saying when they when they let uh, when the Leafs waived him, the Sabers need to go get this guy. They need to go get him. And then you hear all this shit. He's lazy. He's this. He's that. Any Riv? Any idea what he's doing right now? He's got yep. five goals. Seven points in nine games. He's a plus wow. plus four. Wow! Like a, it's like you could have taken that young man and put him on a two million dollar cap hitter, hitter. two and a half million dollar cap hit. You know, we sit yeah. here and yeah. we have players on Buffalo that it's like if they're in the lineup and they don't score, they do nothing. But yeah. Nick Ritchie adds to your team. He just adds a little something mm-hmm. to your team that here in Buffalo that we lack. Now it's, I'm going to tell you this. I will give, I will give the praise when the praise is, is um, needed or due. The boys have played very, very strong, tight team hockey, sticking up for each other, being there for each other. It's really, really nice to see, to be honest with you, but just to, to add a body like Nick Ritchie, who is, you know, so you know what that is. also you know, you know what that also has done? Um, Clayton Keller is playing the best hockey of his career. Like the kid is just sniping goals. He's he's his first small guy. Having a guy like Richie on that team gives Clayton Keller a little bit more of an easy feeling. If somebody yep. goes nears him or, or touches him, you know, Richie's gonna be in there pounding somebody's head. Well, you have Lawson and, Krause, and, who's really turned yeah. into a nice player, right? Yeah, very a big, good. Big Nick kid, and he's physical. Yeah, Schmaltz has what 18, 19, 17, 18 goals, right? Yeah, he's playing well. He's, he's playing ooh, great. Lawson Kraus? No, no, Schmaltz. Oh, Schmaltz. Yeah. Schmaltz has eighteen goals. You want to know who yeah. has nineteen yeah. goals? Lawson Kraus. Yeah, Lawson Kraus plays. Wow. Kids playing great, playing great. Big body. What can you tell? What can you tell us about Jacob Chikrin? His name is being thrown around. Yeah. So and, this and is, I don't this, understand why Jr. Because he's he is a he is seen as a defensive liability. 
offensively, he's unbelievable. He's got one of the hardest shots in the National Hockey League. He can skate. Um, but when it comes down to playing in his own zone, making that initial first pass, thinking the game defensively, he makes a lot of mistakes. And as a defenseman, if you're going to be an offensive defenseman, you, you, you better you better know at least be 50%, 60% in your defensive end. And he's, from what I've heard of Chikrin, as great of a player that he is, defensively, he's literally a liability in his own zone. And is he a think, physical? Is he a physical player? No, I don't. Yeah, not. I think that was one he's of the not. things about his size and everything. Another thing, not overly physical. Yeah, yeah, he get in front. And of he's always that. hurt. He's always hurt. From what I understand, he's you know if he's gonna if he's going into the corner with somebody, he'll he'll let let the guy go in first. Won't go in first. Um, and again, I, th- these aren't my opinions. This is what I've been told by people in the organization. So. Edmonton worse. Oilers back into the playoff spot. You guys see what Evander Kane's doing over there in Edmonton? Holy well. shit. 21 games, 10 goals, 7 assists, 17 points, and he's a plus 10. And hopefully Talk- he's keeping his mouth shut. You know, hopefully he's just, just you know, being a good teammate in the locker room because that's, that was always the big knock, right? When's it's- the last time you heard him? When's the last time you heard- Eve actually even heard him speak no. to the media? good and by the way even on social media right just staying away from everything being quiet being you know just playing the game in a situation like this that uh a player that has struggled with you know keeping quiet okay do you think that when they sat down edmonton oilers you know evander kane his agents um do you think that they they went over that and that's part of maybe like a contractual agreement that he stay off, stay off uh, contractual agreement. We're going to give you a a one year deal and you got to keep your mouth shut too. I I say, I say absolutely. So when I got, when I went to San Jose, I don't know if you guys know this. um, It was probably the lowest, I was at the lowest point of my career and I was not getting any calls from teams after, uh, after the, that two, after the lockout in 2004, after I played LA, I was terrible. I went to Phoenix for another year and I didn't get the shot that I needed. I was in the best shape I have been in a long time, but wasn't used properly by Gretz. So after that, I was four goals shy of 500, four, and I wasn't getting one call, not one, from one team to play. And, you know, I kind of sunk into depression, went to the bottle, just was drinking heavily and was crazy. And um, I had a phone call from Doug, from Doug Wilson, said, come to San Jose. I want to come see you. So I flew to San Jose. We're on the golf course. We each have a couple beers in our hands. We're talking about, you know, where I am in my career, my head, what's going on, how I feel. And um, he said, well, would you want to come play for San Jose? I think you need, you deserve a good shot to come back and have two good years. I said, I would love to come play for you guys. That'd be great, you know, to play with you, play for you. He goes, okay, you can come, but there, I have two two rules. Number one, no media. You can't talk to the media unless we ask you. We give you permission to go talk to the media. So I couldn't just talk to the media. I couldn't. Spew, you know, spew all my bullshit out of my mouth like I had for 20 years before. But they said, no media. You're just going to be one of the leaders of the team. You're just going to go in, help the young guys. If 
we play third line, fourth line, your role player, no media. That's not your job. The second thing that he said to me was no alcohol. And I had a beer in my hand. He said no alcohol the whole year. And he goes, he goes, do you still want to play? And I literally looked at him. I dumped the beer out onto the grass while I was looking at him. And I shook his hand. I said, done. So I went that whole year without having one drop of alcohol, uh, which, which is they pretty are, cool. Do you remember- you talk about the stipulations, right? The stipulations. They, yeah. I got stipulations. Now, did Vander Kane get stipulations? I'm sure that he got stipulations, 100%. JR, do you remember your wife and 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 my wife going out for dinner, San Jose? Just the two, just the four of us. We mm-hmm. went out for an incredible dinner. Yep. And yep. I think I had ordered a bottle of wine that was just something sick. You know, it was amazing. And I remember when the guy came around. I don't even know if you remember this, but the guy came around. He started pouring each uh, person a glass of wine. And uh, you kind of said, no, 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 I'm good. You know, and put your hand over the top of your glass and the guy walked away. And I remember I looked at you. I'm like, I said something like, but this is like Chateau Margot, something <laughs> I or other. <laughs> and I said, and, and you, and you said, yeah, I, I, I can't drink. And you told me the story about that. Mm-hmm. You told me the story about, you know, the word that you gave to, to Doug Wilson. <laughs> and, I kind of said, JR, hey, listen, man, I won't tell anybody. Just have a glass of wine. <laughs> what know, an asshole you are, Rev. I told listen, I, I wanted I wanted, you know, just to kind of like let him know that, you know, if you wanted to have a glass back. of wine, right. I got your back. I you got know, you. sort of thing. And JR looked at me, said, Rivs, I appreciate that. He goes, but I gave my word to Doug Wilson that I would not drink this entire year. And he goes, I'm not going to break that. And I looked at JR and I was like, you know, wow, that's, that's, that's awesome. That's class. That's a guy that understood that this, this man and Doug Wilson, that was your first roommate, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Right. Yeah. First he roommate. gave you the opportunity to play when you're telling me no one was giving you calls yeah. and, yeah. uh, you know, he it saved was, my life. He saved, he saved. He saved my life. To tell you the truth. He wow. Were you that deep? Li- yeah, I was that deep. But I would have gotten even deeper if it ended there, right? I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm four. I'm four goals shy of 500, and I haven't won a Stanley Cup and all that stuff. So to end without anybody calling or wanting you on a team is demoralizing. After the career that I had. Now I had two great years in in, in um, San Jose to finish off my career, which yeah. was great. Kind of allowed me to uh, retire myself, right, and to make that decision myself rather than have this decision made for me. If the decision was made for me, I would not be here right now. I can pretty much guarantee you that. How did yeah. you feel? How did how did you feel uh, physically? After a certain amount of time, you know, going no booze and then going to the rink, like, did it, do you feel, do you find that it completely changed how you approach the game? Dude, I got down to like, I was a 200 plus player in my last couple of years. I got down under 200. I was like 197 
196 playing in 2007, 2008 without drinking. It was amazing how my body felt. Felt fresh, right? You felt good all the time. The, and then plus popping the suities and being that light, it was like, look out, baby. I was like, <laughs> JR, tell us about, uh, tell us about yeah. your uh, 500th goal. How did you bury that one? It was actually, it was beautiful. Absolutely you know, gorgeous goal. Yeah. Often imitated, never duplicated. So it's a funny, it's a funny story because I was asked that the morning of the game, um, right i'm stuck on 499 and um they said if you had a chance to score into an empty net your 500 would you do it and my answer was no i i would have pa- i'd pass and i wouldn't put i i want my goal to be a nice goal right not an empty net goal and i think that jinxed me because that night i came in and i got over the red line and i dumped the puck in around the corner and it hit the glass and literally missed the net and the goaltender, Alex Ald, he stuck, he stick handled it into the, his own net. It was not even a shot on net. And it was the ugliest, ugliest 500th goal of all time. And I'm like, I should have just scored into an empty net because my, my legacy of my goal was, it's awful. But I do have to say 501 happened the next night in Phoenix. And I sniped one far side, Mark Messier style right over the corner, right over the shoulder. It was a beauty. So kind of what? flip those around. Okay. Last, last thing I'll ask you before I ask you where you and uh, Joe Thornton went to dinner last week and who, who paid the bill. But so we, we talked at the start of this episode about your return to Chicago. Was there anything uh, to your return to Phoenix? And was there anything to your return to Philly? Um, Cause you were a staple in those two markets as well. Um. It got great, great, um, a great reception in Philly. I mean, amazing reception, reception. Because when, when I left Philly, Bobby Clark called me. Um, it was just after the, uh, after the lockout and said, JR, we have, we have a little bit of an issue and, and uh, that maybe you can help us with. He said, we have, we have the opportunity to get Peter Forsberg here along with another player, but we have to get rid of some cap space and, you're you're making you know seven million but you have no trade clause so would you be willing if if we you know got you to a team that you wanted to lift that no trade clause and i sat there and i'm like do i feel bad that bobby clark's asking me to lift a no trade clause and, and leave a town that i love and my answer was simply this you you guys have the opportunity to get a Peter Forsberg. And we both, we all know probably one of the greatest players in the history of the game. I mean, one of the toughest ever. Granted, he did have ankle issues, but I looked at it like Philadelphia Flyers have a chance to get Peter Forsberg and increase their chances of winning a cup here in Philly. So it was almost like I said, okay, it's like, all right, you guys take Forsberg because the fans are going to love watching him and have a better chance to win with him than they do with me. So I lifted it and got traded to, to the Kings where I had the worst year of my career, by the way. Do you have any fun there though? Like when you, when you go to LA, aren't you just kind of like, Oh my God, I'm making millions and I'm already well known and established. And we live I'm in, in LA we live, and live in, and you live in Manhattan beach. 
right? <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's a different lifestyle. It's different out there. I will say this. I did a lot in the community. I actually won the award for the, you know, for the community service for the team. But I, everything I did really good for the LA Kings was off the ice, not on the ice, which unfortunately was, is, was, was what it was. Where'd you go to dinner the other night with Jumbo? Uh, we were down in Delray Beach, Florida. We went to a place called Oyster City. It was awesome. And Jumbo would not let me near the bill. And Riv, if you, you know how Jumbo is, you, you try to grab the bill and your fingers are going to get broken. So Yes, and I mean, he, I can't even begin to tell you. So I, I only had, I, I had the opportunity to play with Jumbo for like a year, a full year, and then the year before, like a playoff run or 18 games before that. For like a year and a half, I played with Jumbo. Jumbo made a lot of money. And, you know, back then, back then he made a lot of money. I think he was making like six point six point eight million dollars a year, something along that line. He's been making it for forever. Forever. I have never seen a more generous, generous player in all the years I played. I mean, he if if I, it sounds weird because everybody made everybody in the NHL makes good money, whether you're the lowest paid guy in the National Hockey League, you're still making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. but jumbo jumbo paid for everything yeah. all the time and it got to you know, a point you know who was like that you know who was like that too riv was was walt big walt keith Kachuk. same way yeah in terms of give ne- never let anybody pay always gave money to all the trainers always gave money to the stick boys on the road 100 yeah. bucks here 100 bucks here like unbelievable he would so Keith Kachuk would go around the bus because he knows that that the young kids don't understand, right? He'd go around the bus and ask hundred bucks, hundred bucks to each guy in the bus, and each person would have to collect a hundred dollars so that Walt can make sure that he tips all the people in the opposing arenas that come to work in our in our rooms. And at some points, there were some homeless people that that Walt gave money to up in Edmonton, up in Calgary. You know, Big Red. I don't know if you guys know Big Red. You know, he's passed away. But Walt used to take care of people like nobody's business. And he'd make the kids give him $100 because they wouldn't yeah. do it themselves. You know, I, I love that about Walt. And Jumbo is the same way. Yeah. So. I heard I heard one. I won't say the guy's name because I know you know him. American-born superstar was making huge money back in the 90s and 2000s. And, yeah. Anyway. So I guess he said, like, he was making so much money, okay? He said to the guys in the team one time, he goes, I don't know who it was. It was like, a, I think he took out some rookies at training camp, and uh, some guys tried to give him, you know, some money. They didn't know that, like, they didn't know how to, how to handle it. You know, they're going out to dinner with this star player. And it wasn't Kachuk. But uh, he looked at them, and he goes, they say money doesn't grow on trees. But it does in my backyard. <laughs> That's got to be Brett Hall. It was not Brett Hall. And stop guessing because the more you guess, I'm probably you're probably gonna get it. And I, you know, I'm a bad liar, so That's I don't, awesome. I don't want to tell you. But that was, it was a great. What team was he on? Not telling you. You gotta not give. You gotta give us the okay. What what division? No, not a lot of divisions. A lot of divisions. He played in a lot of divisions, and he made a and this shit. Is, 
ton of money. And he when was did like, he retire? What year? doesn't matter. Not going to answer it. So stop asking. Have you guys ever seen uh, the Tinder swindler on uh, Netflix yet? Tinder swindler. What's oh that about? my! It's about the Tinder swindler. It's about a guy. It's like a Ponzi scheme, but like using girls that he dates money. Like so, he'll he like uh, he he posts these elaborate pictures of himself in hotels and private jets and and cars and stuff. And he goes on Tinder, and then you know, like a girl will. Sw- I don't know which way you swipe if you like right or left. Never been on Tinder, but so he, they swipe one way or the other to like I think to show that they're interested, and then he'll message, and then. He like brings them over and they hang out or whatever. And, and uh, you know, he, he kind of gives this facade that they're going to fall in love and they're going to have this like happily ever after kind of like Cinderella story type thing. So what happens is, is he says that like something happened in his business and someone's after him. They've frozen his accounts. Can he get some money? So this woman goes and she, well, there's multiple women, but this woman goes and empties out or empties out her savings account. Then she takes loans out and he like uh, forged these documents and made her an employee of this company and had her making X amount of dollars so he could get, she could get all these loans where she took out up like eight different lenders, quarter million dollars. And then he's spending that money swindling and and schmoozing the next girl that he's going to he's going to rip off and then he makes her an employee and she so it's like it's this like constant rotation of uh um you know money that oh my god it's i i don't know how to feel i don't know how to feel are they victims or are they are they just stupid for falling for it i i don't know but it's it's an amazing documentary it's both both it, yeah both. right yeah it, it yeah, is you guys I gotta, watch you, it. I gotta watch it you gotta check gotta this out it. It, it's it's unbelievable i so next time you're on i want you guys to be clever i want you to think about something that would be in your titter tit titter tinder profile <laughs> where where's your head right now eh? <laughs> titter go to titter no, it's Titter, 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 Titter would probably be in my Tinder profile. <laughs> Titter. Anyway, check that one out, boys. It's uh, that's an inter- interesting watch. So, Jr., thanks, man. What, what's going on? Uh, Where so are you these days? I'm in Orlando. Uh, my daughter is in town for the first time in two and a half years. So, brought a boyfriend from Germany. So, um, so I'm in- entertaining them all over Florida. And then I got to go to Chicago for a Hawks game this weekend, then back to San Diego for a week and then back to Florida, then to the masters, then all over the place. So new, new boyfriend, uh, about a year and a half now. You like him? First time I met him. Yeah. Do you like him? Yeah. He's awesome. He's a great dude. A little quiet, but he's kid. Hey, listen, the guy stands, stays up late, beer in his hand, talks, great now what Fun happens if around. you didn't like him then i wouldn't talk to him i just stayed in the other <laughs> do you tell your daughter do you tell your daughter like hey get rid of this guy or no i wouldn't i'd be like yeah he's good i would just <laughs> yeah, nice wouldn't i wouldn't elaborate i just I, I would make my answer my answer right the tone of my answer or the length of my answer my answer regardless of whether what i say out of my mouth is really true you'll know what i feel what my answer but he's great so 
so that's what I'm doing. I'm in Florida now for a couple of days. They're going to Universal and I can't go on rides anymore because of my concussions. They just freak me out right now. You know, those rides where your head's popping all over the place. I get off, I want to throw up. So I'm going to pass on, I'm going to pass on Universal. <laughs> Thanks for your time, JR. Mm-hmm. Love you guys. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.